All right, we are continuing our series in Luke. So if you're using our Bibles, um, it's page 812, but we're turning to Luke chapter 8, verse 4 through 15. And when a great crowd was gathering and people from town after town came to him, he said in a parable, a sower went out to sow his seed. And as he sowed, some fell along the path and was trampled underfoot and the birds of the air devoured it. And some fell on the rock and as it grew up, it withered away because it had no moisture. And some fell among thorns and the thorns grew up with it and choked it. And some fell into good soil and grew and yielded a hundredfold. As he said these things, he called out. Who ha- he who has ears to hear, let him hear. And when his disciples asked him what this parable meant, he said, to you it has been given to know the secrets of the kingdom of God, but for others they are in parables, so that seeing they may not see and hearing they may not understand. Now the parable is this, the seed is the word of God. The ones along the path are those who have heard. Then the devil comes and takes away the word from their hearts, so they may not believe and be saved." And the ones on the rock are those who, when they hear the word, receive it. And as for what fell among the thorns, they are those who hear. But as they go on their way, they are choked by the cares and the riches and the pleasures of life, and their fruit does not mature. As for those that are in the good soil, they are those who, hearing the word, hold it fast in an honest and good heart and bear fruit with patience. Let's pray. God... I am grateful that, um, that the disciples were confused and asked Jesus for clarification because um, we need it, God, and we, we even need it as we read this description from Jesus. We, we want to understand what you're saying. We don't want to just consume it and walk away, not, not bringing it down into the depths of our soul. And so, God, I pray um, that as Evan comes and teaches us today, God, that your Holy Spirit will just push on our hearts. God, that you will affirm the places where we get this. Um, God, that you will offer us stability and security where, where this is stable ground for us. And that you will wake us up um, where we just really need to, to stop sleeping, maybe. Um, God, thank you that you are active with us. Um, we need clarity in the midst of confusion, and you are that in your name. Amen. Amen. Thank you, Melissa. You guys hear me? Nice. Uh, My name is Evan. I'm the worship director here. Uh, Really excited to be with you this morning as we continue our series in Luke. Uh, If it's your first time here, raise your hand this morning. Yes, you're lying. You guys aren't lying. Love that. Uh, Just want to welcome you. Uh, We're super glad that you're here. Um, I recently got married. I got married... 11 months ago in September. Woo! Yeah, thank you. Um, it's been really great. Highly recommend. Uh, still married. Um, I'm saying it's great because it is great, but also because I would like to remain married for another year. Uh, but my wife and I got married, and we moved into a place together, and this place had a yard, a small yard, um, 300 square feet, uh, if you know you know, anything about square feet. It's just very small. In fact, I have a picture of it here. Yes, this is, I took this yesterday. That's the whole thing. 
That's the whole, you can see some cars there for scale, right? It's about the length of two cars. And I had never really had to take care of a lawn before. Like, I, you know, I was in like studio apartments or whatever. And I was like, man, this is, um, this has got to be like, one, first I thought it was cheap. Realize it's not cheap to like pay someone to do that. So I like looked into that. I was like, not going to do that. Um, and I was like, I'll just do it. It can't be that hard, right? And so very quickly, I, maybe some of you are like this. Very quickly, I went from like, I will save some money by mowing this lawn to like, I need to have the most immaculate 300 square feet of lawn in my neighborhood. I don't, I don't know why. And it's not. It's not even that great. Um, and this is after like a few months of blood, sweat, and tears. Um, but so I started looking into like, how do you have a nice lawn? And um, it turns out it's very complicated. If you, if you, if you actually want like a green lawn, um, it's very complicated. Some of you might have delved into this world, um, but it's like you... You, there's like different types of soil. You can get like a soil test to like figure out is your, is your grass like 70% sand or 20% clay or whatever. And then that determines uh, like what kind of weeds you might have or what type of seed you have to put in your grass. Kirk's smiling. He's like, yeah, I know. Um, and it determines like what kind of fertilizer. And then there's like, and then you'd think like watering your lawn is like, that'll be the easiest part, right? No, absolutely not. It's like, well, depending on how much rain you got. And like you ha- you, some people will measure how much rain you got and then that will determine like what days you water the lawn and for how long. And uh, so I was quickly overwhelmed. Um, and, you know, I'm doing okay, but if, if anything, I, I, I came away with like, this is, all right, there's a lot of variables here. There's a lot of things that, that contribute to this that I was unaware of. And this story we're looking at today in the Gospel of Luke is about a sower sowing seeds. It's about a gardener. It's about someone working with the earth and working with the land. And what we're going to see here is that it's, there's a lot of things that can go wrong. There's, there's a lot of variables. It can be complicated. Uh, but Jesus is using this imagery of someone planting seeds uh, as an analogy for the, like, the soil of our hearts and and. What, what can be going on underneath the surface that can contribute to our spiritual growth? That's what he's doing. So we've been going through Luke. Basically, basically, throughout Luke, people have been responding to Jesus in a lot of different ways. And Jesus is using this as an opportunity to explain to, to his disciples, hey, there's a lot of different ways that people are going to respond to me. And this is kind of why that happens. These are like some things that can contribute to people receiving me or rejecting me or anything in between. Um, so Jesus, this is a, this, I, I'm really glad that I'm preaching this parable because it's one of the few that Jesus explains. Like he gives the parable and it's like, what does that mean? And then he's like, I'm actually going to tell you what this one means. Um, so this one should be easy for us because Jesus just tells us what it is. So uh, Jesus, Jesus is going to talk about four soils. That's what we're going to do today. Four soils. And these four different soils, Jesus is going to use to explain like four different common ways people are going to respond to him. So we're going to look at those four soils today. It's going to be birds, right? So we heard like 
soil that is attacked by birds. Uh, birds eat the seeds. The second one is rocks, uh, seed that falls on like rocky soil. Third one is thorns, so soil that starts to grow and the thorns choke it out. And the fourth one is fruit, uh, soil that bears fruit. Birds, rocks, thorns, fruit. Sound good? All right. Soil number one, birds. Verse five. A sower went out to sow his seed, and as he sowed, some fell along the path and was trampled underfoot, and the birds of the air devoured it. And he goes on to explain in verse 12. The ones along the path are those who have heard. Then the devil comes and takes away the word from their hearts so that they may not believe and be saved. In college, I went to India, New Delhi, India, um, to visit. It was kind of like a mission trip, basically. And uh, I'd never been, I'd never been to India, and we were in New Delhi, which is like kind of a part of India that people, people would be like, why did you go there? Uh, but like only mission trips would go there, you know, uh, not like the best part of India. And um, very quickly, I started to feel, uh, well, I'll show you, I have a picture here. So walking around New Delhi, like stuff like this is everywhere. Uh, just these huge idols that they're worshiping in uh, Hinduism. They worship a bunch of different gods. Um, and I, I very quickly started to feel like the, the dark, like spiritual darkness. Um, and we were talking to this, this guy, this American guy who lived there and was like a professor there. He was working there. And, and we were like, man, this is crazy. Like we don't, we don't have stuff like this in America. And one of the things he said that was really interesting uh, was, uh, you know, he started walking us through scripture, talking about spiritual darkness. And he was like, essentially, essentially, he was like, you have the same stuff. You have the same stuff. It's just more hidden. So the East is like more blatantly spiritual. And so a lot of the spiritual darkness is like in your face and it almost feels like normal with the culture. But in the West, uh, our culture is much more secular. Um, we're, we're almost like post-spiritual in, in terms of where we're at historically. And so a lot of the spiritual darkness we encounter is... Uh, more under the radar. It's more hidden. It's not like in your face. Uh, Ephesians 6.12 says this, For we do not wrestle against flesh and blood, but against the rulers, against the authorities, against the cosmic powers over this present darkness, against the spiritual forces of evil in the heavenly places. Basically what Jesus is saying is this, the spiritual world is real, there are forces of good, there are forces of evil, and they're both very real. Um, and one of the things that can contribute to how we respond to God or our spiritual life or our spiritual growth is this reality. So what do we do with that? Uh, well, in Ephesians 6, this verse I just read goes on to talk about the armor of God. Put on the armor of God. Some of you might have heard of this language before, sword of the spirit, shield of faith, breastplate of righteousness. And, and basically, this is a lot of different ways to talk about walking with God, to walk with God. And the good news is Romans 8. For I'm sure that neither death nor life, nor angels nor rulers, nor things present nor things to come, 
nor powers, nor height, nor depth, nor anything else in all creation will be able to separate us from the love of God in Christ Jesus our Lord. So some of you might experience spiritual darkness in your life and you might not even be aware of it. Like, and some of you might have felt this before. Like if you're in a certain place or on a certain street or with a certain person or even like watching a certain film or, or, or anything. Uh, Jesus is just telling us spiritual forces are real, it's something we can be aware of, but it's also something that Jesus has overcome. And as we walk with God, something that we can walk with in power over. Make sense? All right, that's soil number one, birds. Soil number two, rocks. So we've got birds, we've got rocks. Verse six, and some fell on the rock, and as it grew up, it withered away because it had no moisture Verse 13, and the ones on the rock are those who, when they hear the word, receive it with joy, but these have no root. They believe for a while, and in a time of testing, fall away. I got a picture here. I want to see if anyone can guess what this is. Who said Lifeway? <laughs> That's amazing. Um, this, is like, this is a Christian bookstore. Have any of you guys ever been to a Christian bookstore? Yeah. Um, I, I get, I get, I'm imagining these are still around. I don't know. Um, I remember going to them as a kid. And wow, this picture's so blurry. Um, there's not a lot of high-res pictures of like the interiors of Christian bookstores on the internet. Um, but this one I feel like really summed it up for me of what it feels like. Uh, so Christian bookstores... Essentially, like they have Christian books, but they also have a lot of uh, just like Christian merchandise, Christian paraphernalia. Also, also nothing against Christian bookstores. Okay, Christian bookstores can be really great, but one of the one of the things about Christian bookstores is they're filled with like a lot of different merchandise, with a lot of like just very inspiring Bible verses, right? Um, which is fine. There's nothing wrong with that. But I like to say that Christian bookstores. Uh, can create Christian bookstore theology. And Christian bookstore theology, I do have a problem with. And a lot of us, grew, like a lot of us uh, maybe grew up with this, or maybe we even have some of this now. And Christian bookstore theology is basically like, uh, nothing bad will ever happen to you because you're a Christian. You won't experience pain or loss or suffering you will prosper, you will be healthy, um, you will be wealthy. Uh, maybe not. That's more prosperity gospel. That's a little more extreme. Uh, but Christian bookstore theology is just this idea that like life is, is going to be happy, clappy with Jesus, and nothing bad will ever happen to you. And there's, there's elements of that that are true, right? Like walking with Jesus like, is better than not walking with Jesus. Like your life is like there is joy. Uh, Jesus says, my yoke is easy, my burden is light. But the problem with this is like what, hap- what, ha- what happens, like if this is your understanding of God and Christianity, what happens when something bad happens? It's like very confusing and disorienting. And some of you have experienced that. I'm sure most of you have. Most of us have experienced hard things in our lives. And if you have a Christian bookstore theology, you start to 
question everything, right? You're like, is God real? Like, is God bad? Is he mad? Can I trust him? I thought nothing bad was supposed to happen to me. What do I do with this? And we can start to question God. Verse 13 says, in a time of testing, they fall away. So what is, a, what, is, what, what is the right theology then? Like, what's the accurate way to understand God? What is a healthy theology of suffering, you could say? And it's essentially this. John 16, 33 says, In this world you will have trouble, but take heart, I have overcome the world. A good theology of suffering is bad things will absolutely happen to you. We live in a world with people. People hurt people. People are imperfect. Our world is imperfect. We will experience pain. We will experience, we will experience loss. We will experience suffering. But God is with us. That's it. The good news of the gospel is God is with us. He's Emmanuel. We have a God who has been tempted as a human, a God who empathizes with us deeply, a God who's with us, a God who walks with us. We also have a invitation to walk in community. We can walk through suffering, through trials, with God and with other people around us. We can bring our pain and our hurt and our suffering to God, and we can even bring it to each other. I have a confession. I love Mr. Rogers. <laughs> um, Mr. Rogers, uh, was actually, he was actually a pastor and a therapist, um, and he saw his show as like a ministry. Um, and he has a quote. He says, anything that's human is mentionable, and anything that is mentionable can be more manageable. When we can talk about it, it becomes less overwhelming, less upsetting, and less scary. The people we trust with that important talk can help us know that we are not alone. Rocks. Soil number three, thorns. So we got birds, we got rocks, we got thorns. Verse seven. And some fell among thorns, and the thorns grew up with it and choked it. Jesus explains, verse 14. And as for what fell among the thorns, they are those who hear, but as they go on their way, they are choked by the cares and riches and pleasures of life, and their fruit does not mature. I have another confession. I'm from Florida. <laughs> um, I'm a Florida man. I have a picture here. Um, this is a park in Florida called George Petty Park. I used to drive by it. Um, it's in West Palm Beach. I used to drive by it on the way to work, and I used to drive by it on the way home from work. And there's a swing set here on the right. And there was like a few years uh, where every time I would drive by it on the way home, there would be a guy pushing his kid 
on the swings, and he'd be like this. just on his phone, pushing his kid. And I thought it was so funny. And if you do that, I'm not here to shame you. Um, (laughs) But I remember like seeing that and be like, man, like they really got us with these. Like Zuckerberg, Steve Jobs, like they got us, man. Like we're hooked. Like this guy's just like on his phone pushing his kid like every day, like every single day. Um, And again, like, I'm not a parent. I have no idea how hard it is to have a child in your possession and your responsibility and your care. If you look at your phone when you're with your kids, I don't care. God is not mad at you. That's not the point of this. Uh, But the point of this is is just just that. I was like, man, like we're like, there, there is a reality that like these like, there's something not great about these, right? Like we can all agree, we can all agree with that. Like we can be so distracted. Um, th- this can this can this can be a way for us to pursue our desire to be distracted, right? Um, and I think, as Jesus is talking about in this verse, choked by the cares and riches and pleasures of life, I think distraction is like one of the big things that we deal with in our like context, in our like cultural context in terms of like things of the world that can inhibit our spiritual life. John Mark Comer says, uh, I'm going to skip a slide here. You can put that quote up. John Mark Comer says, tragically, we continue to chase after our desires ad infinitum. I actually don't know how to say that. Infinitum. 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 Thank God there's smart people in here. (laughs) The result, a chronic state of restlessness or worse, angst, anger, anxiety, disillusionment, depression, all of which lead to a life of hurry, a life of busyness, overload, shopping, materialism, careerism, a life of more, which in turn makes us even more restless and the cycle spirals out of control. So I I, I like to think of... uh, There's two main ways I think the things of the world or the cares and riches and pleasure of life can pull us away from God. The first one is, I would say, running, Um, which is like trying to distract yourself, trying to avoid something, trying to numb something. The second one is, I I think, is chasing, running and chasing. So what is chasing? John Mark hits on this a little bit here, right? Chasing. Chasing. This is chasing. Put up that, put up that quote. No, no, no. The, the one with the guy's face on it. Yeah. Let's go. Where are my V heads at? Where's my Gary V heads at? Some of y'all got Gary V NFTs in your wallet and you're feeling exposed. You don't have to feel exposed. Nothing wrong with Gary. Well, maybe a little bit wrong with Gary V. Um, nothing against Gary V. He's great. He can motivate people, whatever. The, Gary, Gary Vaynerchuk is like a inspirational speaker for the modern day hustler, I would say. Um, this is a quote from him I just thought was absolutely hilarious. Hustle is the most important word ever. <laughs> what a statement. Bold statement. Out of all the words, out of all the words in the English language, hustle. 
Um, you can take that down. We don't, we don't need to look, we don't need to look at Gary V's smile for too long. Um, but Gary V represents one of the cultural pulls that we feel, right? To achieve, to chase, to hustle more, 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 more. I must be famous. I must be successful. I must be wealthy. It's a great pull, a great temptation, chasing, chasing, chasing. Some of you might resonate with a runner. You're trying to numb, you're trying to distract. Some of you might resonate with a chaser. You're chasing something. And what I'm not here to tell you this morning is like, stop doing that. Stop sinning. Stop looking at your phone. Stop trying to be famous. Stop trying to be rich. I'm not here to tell you that. There's enough people that will tell you that. What I'm here to say is I believe to address the issues in our hearts, we must ask why. We have to go beneath the surface to ask, why am I doing this? Why do I do this? Asking why allows us to take the gospel to the root level of the soil of our hearts. Asking why, right? Why am I chasing? Why am I running? Some examples. Maybe you're chasing success to make your father proud. Maybe you're chasing riches because you never want to feel the way you did when you were poor. Maybe you are chasing sex because you came to believe at some point that sex was the only way to feel loved. Maybe you're chasing fame because you didn't receive the attention you needed early in your life and you want to feel seen. Maybe you scroll endlessly or get drunk because you want to forget about all the things that you're feeling. The good news of the gospel is that we can ask why from a place of safety, knowing that we are loved fully by God, accepted fully by God, and that we can explore those things with God and with other people, that we don't have to do them alone. The scariest thing, the reason we avoid asking why is because it's really scary to do it alone. But the good news of the gospel is we don't have to do it alone. Soil number four, fruit. We got birds, we got rocks, we got thorns, we got fruit. Verse eight. And some fell into good soil and grew and yielded a hundredfold. Verse 15. As for that in the good soil, they are those who, hearing the word, Hold it fast in an honest and good heart and bear fruit with patience. I got a picture and another picture for you. Mm. (laughs) Man, I love this scene. I think it might be my favorite scene from Elf. So this is a movie, Elf. Most of you have probably seen Elf. It's a Christmas movie. Will Ferrell. Um, Can anyone tell me what what Will Ferrell is saying right here? I know yes. I know him. Oh my God. Santa is coming. I know him. 
<laughs> and this guy just like keeps talking. This other guy, Santa's coming to town. Tuesday, 5 p.m. Um, so good. Elf is a great movie. It's a really funny movie. Elf is funny because Buddy is a man who acts like a child. That's what makes Elf funny. Buddy's a full-grown man who acts like a child. You can take that down. Um, Children know how to express joy. Children know how to express joy. Buddy the elf knows how to express joy. But what happens? At some point, we get excited about something, and someone says, nah, that's not that cool. Or maybe someone says, whoa, why are you yelling? Or someone says, why are you so excited? Or someone says, that's not going to happen. And we start to learn that expressing joy is a little bit scary, a little bit risky. So we don't do it as much as we grow older. Joy is vulnerable, right? It's vulnerable to express joy. But the good news of the gospel is that in Christ we can. From the safety of God's love, we can express joy. This fourth soil Jesus is talking about is those who are experiencing the goodness and fruit of God in their life. Some of you are in that right now, and I want to give you full permission to celebrate that and express the joy of God in your life. To maybe even share that joy with other people. I had this friend in college who used to yell all the time, Hallelujah! I was, in, I was in South Florida. All my friends were Dominican. They yelled a lot. It was amazing. They, but my friend JD, Jedediah Montalvo, all the time he'd yell, Hallelujah! Loved Jesus. Was a preacher's son, so he was extra loud. And I used to be like, man, I wish I could do that. Someone say hallelujah with me this morning. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Yeah. I like that. <laughs> One more time, a little bit louder. Hallelujah. Yes. We can have joy. You can yell even in church. Full permission this morning for you. Brene Brown says this. Joy is vulnerable. That's why we're afraid to let ourselves feel it. 
Don't squander joyful moments by waiting for the other shoe to drop. Lean in and practice gratitude. As I close this morning, I want to look at verse 15. They are those who, this is, a, this is about, about the fruit, right? This is the end of this fruit verse. They are those who, hearing the word, hold it fast and in an honest and good heart and bear fruit with patience. With patience. That's interesting, right? That God would say that. But the reason is because God is a patient God. He is loving. He is kind. He is patient. And he understands that the spiritual work of growing in God is one that takes time. We can be patient with ourselves because God is patient with us. Man, some of you are so hard on yourselves. I am too. Why and why aren't I growing faster? Why am I still dealing with this? Why does my life not look like this person's life? God is patient with you. You can be patient with yourself. Jesus gives us wisdom to understand what's going on in our hearts and why we do certain things. He invites us to explore those things. He invites us to partner with him in gardening the soil of our heart, in tending to the soil of our hearts. But he is so patient. So my invitation to you this morning is to take a deep breath, rest in knowing that you are in the care of another, a perfect gardener. And from that place of unconditional love, patience, and kindness, we can begin to partner with God in the work he is doing in our lives. Amen. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Let's go, dude. Let's go. We need some summit youth in here. Man, let's go, dude. Oh, man. Summit just started their first youth group ever in the history of Summit, and I'm so excited for it. You guys are awesome. Hallelujah. Let's go, dude. Kids are going to lead the way in the joy of our hearts. I'm going to leave you with a question this morning and an invitation. A question and an invitation. The question is this. What does the soil of my heart look like in this season? Do I have some birds? Do I have some spiritual warfare going on? Do I have some rocks? Have I experienced something difficult in my life that I need to process? Do I have thorns? Am I chasing something? Am I running from something? Why? Do I have some fruit? Am I experiencing the fruit of God in my life right now that I need to tell somebody, I need to share with somebody, that I need to express, that I need to embrace? Now, the reality is you're probably experiencing a couple of these things, 
right? Our lives are not black and white. They're not cut and dry. Maybe you got some fruit. Maybe you got some thorns. But Jesus invites us to, to think about what does the soil of our hearts look like? That's the question. Secondly, the invitation. Talk about it. Sounds easy. Guess what? It's not easy. Not at all to talk about any of those things with anybody. Maybe some people are easy to talk about. Melissa, actually. She's a, yeah, easy, easy to talk to Melissa. She is a licensed therapist, though, so it's not fair. It's not really fair to the rest of us. Um, invitation is to talk about it, right? The good news of the gospel is that God is with us. God is with us. The work of Christ was God coming to earth to be with us, to walk with us in his spirit, in Christ, and to walk with each other, to walk in Christian community. The good news of the gospel is we don't have to live life alone. Whatever you're experiencing, whichever one of these soils you're resonating with, whatever combination of soils you're experiencing, share it with somebody. Talk to God. Bring it to God. Talk to a counselor. Talk to a pastor. Talk to a friend. The good news of the gospel is that we go through our lives with a perfect father who is perfectly kind, perfectly patient, perfectly good, and who promises to finish the work within us that he started. We're going to respond in a few different ways in worship. We're going to sing. We're going to take communion. There's people in the back who would absolutely love to pray for you. I want to invite you to think about these things as we worship. Pray with me. God, we thank you for your spirit. We thank you for the wisdom of your word. We thank you for the work of Christ. We thank you that you love us, not because of what we do or don't do, but you love us because we're yours. Thank you for your presence with us, God, that you are Emmanuel, that you are the God who is with us. I thank you that we can work from a place of rest, that we can explore the difficult things in our lives from a place of safety and knowing that we are held by you. Thank you that you give us the freedom to be joyful. To express joy like a child. To celebrate the good things that you do in our lives. Thank you for community, God. Thank you for people in this room. The ways that they can walk with each other. The people you put in our lives, sometimes miraculously, to walk with us. Thank you, God. May we cling to you, God. Give us the wisdom to look inward. Give us the courage to plant the gospel deep in our hearts, God. 
that it might take fruit. That we could trust you as the perfect gardener to till the soil of our hearts, that we could partner with you in that work by the grace of God. Thank you for Jesus, the power that you have Thank you for this morning, God. Thank you for being with us. Pray that in this time you'd continue to minister to us, that you'd speak to us, God, that you would speak prophetically to people in this room this morning. May we have eyes to see and ears to hear you. In Jesus' name, amen.